Are all your songwriting sessions exactly the same or look the same? Because if they are, that probably is a sign that we need to mix it up a little bit and have some unconventional songwriting sessions where we have more specific, precise goals that maybe aren't so open-ended because the tendency is, as songwriters, we might sit and say, I'm going to work on songwriting for 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. And what that means is some version of staring at a blank page, trying to write lyrics. Maybe it's doing some improvisation to try to figure out the music specifically, or it's actively saying, okay, I have a first verse and a chorus, but how do I figure out the music for the bridge or the lyrics for the second verse? So in this episode, we're talking about three unconventional songwriting sessions that you should be having. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day to talk songwriting with me. I'm glad that songwriting is a craft important enough to you that you would listen to any podcast about songwriting. And of course, I'm honored that uh, you specifically chose this one. So of our three unconventional songwriting sessions that we're talking about, two of them are heavily influenced by some of the steps in my songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist, uh, which breaks down the six steps to lyric writing that I go through because just asking yourself to stare at a blank page and basically improvise poetry is asking a ton of yourself. It makes it so that usually people end up with a bunch of lyrics that just aren't very good. They spend a lot of time just staring at a blank page, not actually getting work done and just getting more frustrated. And good news is that's totally avoidable. Just breaking up lyric writing into smaller baby steps that are way more easy to complete, but eventually get the end product to be way higher quality anyway. Uh, Seems like the way to go to me certainly has worked for me for making the quality of my output more consistent because before it felt like, you know, I'd write some something really good, but it, it felt like it was kind of lucky that I got there. But coming up with this, this checklist to go through is something that has allowed me to actually make it way more consistent. So it can help you do the same again, totally free songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist link will be in the show notes description, etc. So the first unconventional songwriting session that you should be having. Maybe the most obvious of the three, and maybe you're already having this one. Um, Certainly, I think this is one that probably the pros certainly do to a certain extent, but I think on average, your everyday songwriter probably doesn't do enough. And that is an entire songwriting session simply to gather ideas. So just have an idea gathering songwriting session. Because I think something that we often don't appreciate enough is the value of not overwhelming our brain with all the different things we have to do. So if we sit down and we're like, oh, I need to come up with an idea that is good enough to start writing a song right away off of that idea, because I'm sitting down to songwrite, right? So you're sitting down, maybe have a blank page, whether whether literally or metaphorically, you know, you don't have, maybe you don't have music for it yet. You certainly don't have lyrics for it yet. Or maybe you have music, but you don't have lyrics or even an idea of where the lyrics going to go. And you say, all right, brain, 
let's have some ideas for this song. All of a sudden, there's a lot of pressure there because it's not just looking for ideas. It's looking for ideas that fit with this song and are good enough to start songwriting with them right now. That's way more pressure than just, hey, let me just accumulate ideas. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be picky about the ideas. I'm not, I'm gonna separate the writer part of my brain and the editor part of my brain, which is important to do at basically all steps of any form of writing or creativity, I think. Um, but but I think sometimes people might be good at that when it comes to literally writing lyrics, right? They might be good at, hey, I can write lyrics and I have my internal editor off. I'm just writing lyrics. And then when it's time to edit the lyrics I have into something much better, then I just have the editor on uh, and maybe even turn the writer off. But I think sometimes when it comes to things like idea gathering, we forget that principle and we don't take that principle and apply it also to earlier steps in the process, like just gathering ideas. Because there might be ideas that are great ideas that you would just throw away because it doesn't fit with your current song you're trying to write. Or maybe you're not in a place in your life that the song idea is something that could be made into a song which we shouldn't generally be slave to our current circumstances. I've talked about this before. I think it's very important as an artist that you can not simply be able to write only from your current own point of view. That's incredibly limited. Step one, I think, is being able to go to your past self and past experiences and then project yourself into the future and be able to write from those standpoints and then the next level after that is being able to truly write from somebody else's point of view, say like what an author or a movie maker has to do, unless they're creating some sort of, you know, Mary Sue character or some character that just represents themselves. They have to do that, right? Uh, because you have, you know, let's just say like a male author that writes a female character or a female author that writes a, a male character, right? That's, that's, that's somebody pretty different from themselves usually. Uh, and yet they still need to make that character something believable. That's the mark to me of a of a next level artist. And I think a lot of songwriters don't don't get there and it's important to get there. But regardless, you might have an idea that might be great, but just isn't great right now or isn't great for the song you're currently writing. And in a context where you're just trying to find an idea for your current song that you want to work on right away, you might lose a lot of ideas that you did have that were pretty good. And there's there's just power to, I'm going to sit here for half an hour and I'm just going to go seek out ideas. No pressure to write anything. No pressure to do anything with these ideas because I understand that ideas are cheap. Throwback to another episode. I'm referencing a bunch of episodes here. Um, but I think they're all important principles. Ideas are cheap. We shouldn't treat like, oh, I have an idea. Oh, it's so valuable. Like, well, okay. Great ideas are great, but like often when it comes to creative things, the idea is a very small part of it. You can take a not great song idea and still write a killer song off of it, and you can take a great song idea and write a crap song, and then who cares about how good the idea was? Same thing happens with movies, right? There are some movies that are like, yeah, this has been done a million times before, the basic idea, but the execution's so good that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the idea was pedestrian. Then there's the other side, right? Some really brilliant idea for a movie, but then the movie sucks, so who cares? So anyway, idea gathering. Decide to 
for a songwriting session. And I would do this not just once, but have this sort of in your back pocket as a songwriting session you have once in a while where you can, and it's two great things about it besides what we've mentioned already. It's fun and it has no pressure because sometimes our songwriting sessions, we can put pressure on ourselves. This has neither. There's no pressure because most of these ideas you will never use for a song and that's okay. But it's also fun because it's fun to just like, I don't know, watch a short film that's five minutes and see if it gives you some idea for a plot for a song or a character for a song or a point of view for a song or symbolism for a song or searching out art on Google Images and being like, oh, let's let's look up heartbreak art or, or orphan art or, or whatever it might be. And then finding images that maybe inspire you to some sort of idea for a song and just taking that time to just look for ideas and not be picky about the ideas you find, but write them all down in your idea document, which you should have is super freeing, super fun and super helpful because I'm going to have a video coming out shortly. That's sort of breaking down a a John Mayer talking about songwriting. And one of the things that he mentions in there is how songwriting can be like matching socks and it's, you know, one sock is the lyric and one is the music. But one of the core ideas of it is sometimes the difficulty is you have this piece of music because music is usually easier to write, but how do you match it with a lyric or how do you write a lyric that matches with that music? And one of the things that I talk about in that video, assuming I don't cut it out, (laughs) is that it's a powerful thing to have a bunch of lyrical ideas because then when you inevitably write more music than you do lyrics, at least you have this huge pool of lyrical ideas that then instead of having to come up with an idea that matches with your music, you're raising the probability that you already had an idea that matches with the music that you just wrote. So if you don't already, make sure you have a document. I have it on Google Docs. It's literally called like song idea document or idea doc or something. It literally is just pages and pages of all kinds of ideas. And for musical ideas, either save them in your phone or if you have a nice little home studio set up where you can easily just record it into your computer, do that. So musical ideas, record onto your phone. Every phone has that now. Or better, put on your computer. For lyrical ideas, make sure you have a document, a working, living document that you just always accumulate ideas. You don't delete ideas from them. You just add ideas to them. Maybe delete them when you actually write a song off of that idea, right? Because you can sort of check it off the list. Uh, And things to have in that are, you know, symbol ideas, song title ideas that feel like, ooh, this, this could be an interesting song. Maybe a single line that you find really compelling that, you know, might end up sort of being the 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 main line of your song or it might end up being a song title or maybe it will just end up being a random line but it, you still think oh this is a really good interesting line all sorts of things to have in that idea document so number 1 idea gathering number 2 word pool creation this is one of my favorite more new things that I've added to my songwriting process. I say more new. It's probably been a a few years now, three years, two years, I don't know, something like that. 
Uh, but considering I've been somewhat writing songs since I was like 10, 12, uh, and I'm 29 now, it's been a while. It took me a while to get to this. But the creation of a word pool is an incredibly powerful, powerful thing. And this is really a part of, to sort of refer to that lyric checklist I was talking about, this is sort of in that brainstorm document area section because in that I talk about the the value of, you know, getting images from Google images that sort of evoke either the emotion you want the song to evoke or maybe it literally is pictures of, th- of symbols that you're utilizing in the story or maybe art that seems to be telling a similar or the same story that you want your song to be telling. Doing some prose writing or object writing to just to sort of almost like journal from the main character's point of view or maybe a side character's point of view, just to sort of get ideas out without the pressure of, oh, it needs to rhyme and it needs to have syllables that are all in the right place and I got to improvise poetry. No, no, no. Instead, just start with improvising regular words like what I'm doing right now, right? I'm just talking. This is just prose. Um, so after you have some of that, some of the things that might, Emerge is a phrase, maybe from your prose writing, or maybe you started with a payoff line idea, and that's where the whole song started. Is you're like, oh, I have this song, this payoff line. I'm here until you leave, which is one of mine. And I, you know, from from that, I sort of built a song. I'm like, oh, that that line is. It sounds very simple, but it has a very compelling message underneath it. Her message is the wrong idea. Idea underneath it, I guess. Um. So maybe you have a payoff line or a few lyrical-like lines that you're pretty sure like, oh, this will be like the last line of a verse or something. And then you have maybe some images, right? Some art that you that you have in this brainstorm document that evokes the feelings of the songs or maybe has some of the symbols from the songs. Maybe you figured out what the central imagery of your song is. There was one song that I'm working on that for the longest time its working title was Cycle. Because uh, it kind of started with, hey, I, I like I like the idea of cycle as a song title, and 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 I like the idea of sort of the cycle sometimes, uh, the vicious cycle that sometimes we go through with with mental stuff, right? Whether that's mental blocks or you know you're constantly sort of thinking to yourself, oh, now I figured it all out, and and then soon you're back in in you know with that songwriter despairing feeling even though you're like really again um so so sort of this endless cycle so it started like that uh and i still might have a song called cycle but now it's kind of evolved because i i eventually found like hmm the imagery that i'm really leaning towards and i'm I'm starting to go towards is is sort of this this boat in a storm in the ocean Uh, i'm a sucker for ocean imagery frankly it's probably because i'm from new england um so ocean imagery always is is one of my favorites um, but anyway, so now it might be called the voyage or bleak sails or sailing in darkness. I don't know. Something, something like that. I, I, I kind of like the voyage. Um, but anyway, um, so from there, right, you come up with some of these central words that you think are central to the imagery and the idea of your song. So just to give a few examples, uh, from idea documents I've done for songs I've been working on. Uh, and then we'll do an example just for us that I literally came up with in five minutes, just as a proof of concept, uh, explicitly for this podcast. But 
for here until you leave, I have the words beach, sunset, lighthouse, eyes, hand, distant, and boat, because those are all sort of imagery and ideas that I wanted to play with. Um, instead of lighthouse, I ended up going with castle. Um, but I think I got to the word castle because of lighthouse searching for related words to lighthouse. You get stuff like beacon and castle was one that actually came up and then with sand castle and everything, it just happened to work really well. But anyway, beach, sunset, lighthouse, eyes, hand, distant boat, all had to do with sort of the central idea that I wanted to play with. Uh, the Wanderer, I used Wander, Mountain, Trail, Search, Forest, Beacon, Echo, Lake, Fire, Home, and Stars, because that one's supposed to sort of evoke the imagery of a, somebody who's wandering through mountainous forest type thing. So almost like a, I don't know, for some reason Pilgrim's Progress comes to mind and a little bit of Lord of the Rings comes to mind, uh, even though obviously for both of those it's not like it's all through a forest. Um, but anyway... Uh, and then for this, the voyage that used to be called cycle, I have war, endless storm, hope, dawn, voyage, water, trap. Uh, so again, we're picking central words. These don't have to be good words because that's for the next step. Uh, but we're picking central words that we want to build off of. So the one that I made just for this podcast, uh, I... The long road came came to my mind. And instantly I'm like, ah, the long road sounds like it could be, I don't know, it's about a romantic relationship that has turned sort of weary and it's been a long time. And I don't really know where the song is going because I'm not even writing this song. Again, I literally came up with this just in five minutes for the sake of this episode. But uh, so, you know, feel free to steal this one. Um, but the long road, I, I don't know. What could it be about? Maybe maybe it's about, whether it's positive or negative, who knows? I tend to lean negative, but, uh, you know, maybe it's about, you know, a marriage that's in 60, you know, everybody's in their 60s. They've been married for like 30 years. The kids are gone. It's maybe they had a tumultuous marriage the whole time or, you know, maybe they're dealing with apathy or you know, something's going wrong. I don't know. And then, you know, which side is it going to be? Is it going to be like, yeah, things are rough, but we made a commitment, but we made a commitment. So we're still in it for this, you know, long rest of this long road or whatever. Uh, or is it on the dark side? Who knows? But just from that, let's take some central words. We have road, right? It's literally called the long road. So boom, road. Uh, weary, because the central idea is, is, you know, that maybe weary is something that came up when we did some prose writing is this idea of it's been such a long road. We're growing weary, blah, 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 boom, weary, central word. Then uh, maybe mountain, because at least for me, the imagery I get from this is sort of a forested mountain long road that's winding through. If you've ever driven through mountainous regions, it's it's awful for those of us that have motion sickness issues. Uh, and I love mountains, but holy crap, <laughs> it, it can be brutal, especially if you're a passenger. Um, but anyway, so mountain and then uh, winter because it's sort of a darker song. So winter feels like the right season. You can maybe pick fall, but fall in the mountains sort of has this this beauty, whereas winter in the mountains feels more dangerous. So Winter seems right. And then love, because, well, it's basically a love song. Okay, so we have some basic words, right? So then if you go to relatedwords.org, 
which is a beautiful, beautiful thing because it's not a thesaurus, which thesaurus.com is also fantastic, but that's fantastic for another step in the lyric writing process. Right now, what we want is we have some of these central ideas that we know we want to play with, and we want to have as many words as possible that evoke these things. So for road, you'll get results like, and this is literally pulled from, like, again, I literally did this utilizing relatedwords.org. So some of the things I got from road were route, trail, bridge, drive, traffic, boulevard, lane, concrete, asphalt, pothole, curve, ridgeway, roadkill, erosion. And then for weary, I got jaded, fatigue, tire, wear down, exhaust, desperate, tiresome, restless, forlorn, despair. Mountain, I got glacier, which is interesting because we already thought, oh, maybe we might go winter, right? So cold. So glacier, okay, that would match well. Alpine, which also would match well with the winter idea because alpine tends to evoke snow because it's based on the Alps and the Alps are snowy mountains, et cetera, et cetera. Highland, summit, peak, slope, climb, valley, ridge, boulder, avalanche, again, would match well with winter. So now winter, cold, midwinter, snowy, solstice, frosty, arctic, uh, chilly, frigid, glacial, icy, and then love, affection, cherish, adore, treasure, tenderhearted, amorously. And there's tons more words, right? These are just some of the ones I picked in this exercise. But it's a great way to just accumulate a whole bunch of words that will effortlessly hammer home your central ideas and imagery. So just having these pool of words, which by the way, I, I highly encourage you to use either Excel or use Google Sheets, which is basically Excel for Google Drive. And then at the top, you just have, you know, for in row one going across, you have all your main words. And then underneath and all the rows underneath that word, you just put all of the different words that you like that you found in relatedwords.org. And now you have this giant pool of words that are going to effortlessly hammer home your central ideas and imagery, which is a great way to show, don't tell, which is a great writing principle that uh, I'm sure you've heard of. You certainly have if you've listened to this podcast, but that's, it's a central idea of writing, right? Don't tell people, oh, he's so smart. Like, no, that's stupid. That's terrible exposition. Show that he's smart based on the things he does. It's bad writing to have some character just be like, oh, he's smart. And then we're just supposed to believe he's smart. Like, no, no, no. Have him do a thing that shows us that, right? Or, or you know, she's emotionally scarred from her abusive father or something. Again, show us that, which doesn't necessarily mean you need to show the abuse, right? You can you can show in her actions. You can slowly reveal and allow people to put together why she does what she does and why she feels the way she feels um, rather than telling us. Like, we don't have the opening line, I was abused as a child, right? You can do that, but most of the time that's crap writing. So anyway, that's show, don't tell. Or another way to look at it, more cheeky way maybe, which might be the first time I've ever said cheeky out loud in my life, but here we are, um, is, you know, the whole internet thing of like, tell me you're a software developer without telling me you're a software developer, right? And they're, they're amusing and stuff. But honestly, that's kind of the same idea as show, don't tell, right? So tell me your song is about driving down the road without telling me your song is about driving down the road. You know, tell me that she doesn't love you anymore without telling me she doesn't love you anymore. This is this is a great, great question to ask yourself or challenge to give yourself, I guess, uh, when writing a song. Because 
show, don't tell. Don't tell people things. Show them things. And then if you take this one step further, even in your symbolism, where you don't say you're driving down the road, but you do say it, but it's it's via showing instead of telling. So just some quick examples. And again, this is from five minutes of, of me just doing this as an example. So if you put 30 minutes into this, you will love the results because, again, this is me in five, maybe 10 minutes. It might have been 10. Um, but something like your icy gaze, right? Super basic. But that helps to hammer home the central idea that maybe she doesn't love him anymore while also hammering home that winter imagery, that snow-cold imagery. So we're getting a little bit of both. Now, it's just her gaze we're talking about, right? It could be the middle of summer. Yes, but if you've already established some of the imagery as something with, with mountain and winter and all that, it's going to double down on that. It's going to really make it feel cohesive in its imagery. Uh, so your icy gaze is like, you know, the tell version is, I don't think you love me anymore, right? Like your, your icy gaze, not exactly the same, but it evokes similar ideas. Or instead of saying this road trip is too long, which again is telling and boring and terrible, you know, you could reference this tiresome asphalt because that's saying the same thing. Asphalt represents road. It implies road without saying it. And then by nature of you saying this tiresome asphalt, you have communicated to the listener, you know, that you've been on this asphalt for too long, which then implies, you know, sort of this this road trip. Or here's a long sentence for you. Another pothole, more erosion, jaded we drive on through the alpine slopes. Just in that sentence, uh, we're saying, I see another pothole and more erosion on the road, but who cares? We've seen so many on our long drive, uh, which is communicated via just the word jaded, really. So we just keep going through the snowy mountainous terrain, right? Essentially all that which is like twice as many words, is communicated in another pothole, more erosion, jaded, we drive through the alpine slopes. And the word pothole, erosion, jaded, drive, and alpine, and slopes all came from that quick, um, that, that quick, quick relatedwords.org search. And, you know, just to be clear, another pothole, more erosion, jaded, we drive through the alpine slopes, that is not particularly lyrical to me. It's getting there. It's getting there. It, it needs more steps. But again, this is an exercise that I just did in five, 10 minutes. I'm used to doing this exercise, right? So I wouldn't expect you to have the same results in five, 10 minutes because you're not, you know, I've actively done this for songs for two years and you might not have, but this is something you can do, right? Maybe it'll take you 20 minutes, but it goes a long way because soon you have a whole bunch of different words to pull from and fit together like icy gaze and tiresome asphalt and things like that. You know, drive through the alpine slopes, things like that, that you got with just the really pedestrian beginning of, I know it involves mountain and driving and a road, right? I mean, like this all came from road, weary, mountain, winter, and love. I mean, Almost all those words are incredibly pedestrian. Road is, mountain is, winter is, love is. Weary is the only one that's like a slightly, you know, it's it's still not a big word by any means, but it's, all right, it's 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 like a, a level two word instead of level one. So anyway, your songwriting session, in case we've lost track of really what we're talking about here, is literally you have this song idea. All right, create a word pool off of it, right? Maybe you have some ideas of images you're going off of, 
Like, for example, the voyage, the idea was sort of, you know, this old boat going through a storm at night through the ocean. You know, there's there's half your words right there. Ocean, uh, storm, boat or ship or, you know, whatever variation. It doesn't really matter because if you put in boat, you'll get ship. And if you put in ship, you'll get boat for related words. But um, and voyage, right? And boom, you're going to get a whole bunch of words that you can utilize. So for an entire songwriting session, literally just go create this word pool. And then how you're going to use this word pool is when you're writing lyrics and when you're working on your lyrics, you're going to be looking at this word pool for, for different ideas and inspirations and different words to maybe utilize instead of the more pedestrian words that most of us start with. Because you and I are used to, we speak in prose, right? And the longer you songwrite, maybe you're, you become better at like thinking in poetry. But I don't think anybody ever really get, maybe anybody's a strong word, but most of us will never get truly great at like, oh, I can just improvise poetry off the top of my head and it's really good. Like, yeah, I can improvise little silly songs to make my wife laugh that have like, I don't know, six lines and it has a rhyme scheme or something that is is funny, like, yeah, Side note, but last night I was savaging Tom Brady uh, with a very not nice poem that I made up on the spot because, you know, I've been songwriting for a while. So so we can do that kind of stuff, right? But for the most part, um, we, we need some help to go from the prose that we usually speak and think and talk in. Uh, I love how I said speak and talk as if they're two different things. <laughs> um to, to actual poetic writing. Uh, and this is something that is very helpful, very helpful to make uh, that, to, to take some of those steps towards, okay, I can write prose. I can even maybe make prose that has meter and that rhymes, but it still feels not that poetic. Well, a great way to start getting there is via this word pool. And taking a whole songwriting session just to create a word pool can be a lot of fun. And again, it really doesn't require skills. Can you type a word into what is essentially a, a type of search engine and then pick the words that you like the most from the giant list it gives you? Yeah, you can do that. So this is a great way if you're not feeling particularly creative that day, you can still get this done. And then it will help your creativity on a different day. All right, last one and probably shortest one, sound creation. Look, sometimes... It's, it's important, and I want to do a whole episode about this or maybe a video on this soon, but an important part of doing anything is staying in the game, and the best way to stay in the game is to make sure it's enjoyable enough that you don't quit. And I think a lot of people miss on this point because, look, some parts of songwriting is going to be work. Some parts are going to be really annoying. There's always that, there's always, you know, the second verse that's going to take half of your total songwriting time. You're going to want to shoot yourself. It's going to be the worst. You're going to be like, am I an idiot? Do I suck at songwriting? Which you don't, but you're going to feel like you do because you're like, I have this whole song and I just can't get one line in the second verse, right? What is the matter with me? And it gets frustrating. And at some point it's work. And when you do get it, yes, it was all worth it. But if we have too much of that side of things, we're going to start to turn on songwriting and forget that, hey, this was fun once. So an important psychological game to play with ourselves is to reward ourselves and make sure that songwriting for all the times that it turns into work 
and maybe isn't enjoyable certain days because it's a struggle and you just can't get it right or you didn't make enough progress and you're frustrated, you make it worth it by also giving yourself some days where, man, you're reminded of all the different fun that you can have with making music. So for this sound creation songwriting session, you're putting on your producer hat, uh, which is one of the many hats of a songwriter, especially a modern day songwriter, where you are going to just make sounds. So you can just grab your phone. If you don't have a portable recorder that's decent quality, your phone is fine. And then record some random noises. Or you can grab them from the internet like a YouTube video. So for example, I grabbed a bagpipe drone from my YouTube video. I grabbed a tornado siren from a YouTube video, which really if I just you know, set an alarm for five minutes before noon on Wednesday, I could have grabbed the one that goes off every Wednesday at noon here in central Ohio. Um, but it's farther away, and yeah, so it just wouldn't be as good. I just grabbed it from YouTube. It's fine. Uh, and then make it into a sound, right? So I, I'm already working on, like, the synth thing that utilizes a loon call inside of it uh, because I'm thinking about writing a song called, like, the loon or using sort of some sort of loon imagery because that's another imagery I really like is, like, a, a lonely New England or can Canadian lake with a loon on it. It's just uh, – that's another thing that I find very compelling. And I haven't played with that, uh, with that imagery really yet, so that's what I want to get into. But anyway, and, you know – Oftentimes, if you create a different notable sound, right, it's not just, oh, another electric guitar. This time it's fuzzy, and this time it's distorted, or this time it's overdriven, or oh, this time it has a bunch of reverb. Like, we've all heard that a billion times. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the sound itself usually isn't that notable. Same with a piano or a bass. I'm not hating on any instrument, right? But especially your main band instruments, it's like, oh, look, it's a piano in a song. How shocking. I've never heard that before. Right now, if you add something like an organ or bagpipes or something, now you're starting to be like, actually, I haven't really heard that in a lot of songs. Uh, of course, unless you listen to Celtic music with bagpipes, but you know what I'm talking about. But if it's a non-Celtic song with bagpipes, that's actually kind of notable. It's kind of different. But a great way to break outside of any genre and really just have a notable sound that would be fitting as a main riff for your song or a central sound that you utilize in a future song that may inspire a whole song is to literally build a sound. You know, this is this is how you get stuff like, you know, in Star Wars, uh, you know, I, the sounds that they had to make, there's tons, right, from lightsaber sounds, blaster sounds, the sound of a TIE fighter. Uh, which I believe is an elephant bellow mixed with, uh, what is it? Is that the one that's like mixed with a lion and the elephant bellow is pitched down and put backwards or whatever? Point is, they take sounds that are real world sounds and then they, you know, distort them, maybe add some some um, distortion. Maybe they pitch it up, pitch it down, reverse it, speed it up, slow it down. There's a whole bunch of little things that you can do. Um, you know, maybe put a reverb effect on it or many reverbs or delays on it. And you're basically making a sound, right? This is what they do for movies to, to have these super memorable sounds. You know, like a TIE fighter just sounds like a TIE fighter. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you probably are like, huh, that sounds familiar. Uh, and it's specifically just a TIE fighter that sounds like that because they created it for that. It makes it very memorable. And if you are a Star Wars fan, you know exactly the sound I'm talking about just by saying TIE fighter. Um, so 
this is just fun. And it can help be foundational to a future song. I've, I've said the story a million times. I'll say it again. I built a whole song off of, I just took a recorder, recorded a ceiling fan, pitched it way down, slowed it way down, and that turned into the basis of an entire song. And, you know, nothing is special about that, right? It's pretty pedestrian stuff. Ceiling fan. Pitch down. Slow down. Like, easy 1.0 type stuff. Um, and you don't even have to go that far, right? Some things, you know, just putting a distortion on it might might be enough. So take your cat's meow, speed it up. Take your dog's bark, pitch it down and slow it down. Take the sound of shoes in the washing machine and make a drum beat from it. Take the sound of you crushing a can, reverse it, and maybe utilize it to add intensity to the beginning of a chorus instead of the reverse cymbal thing that most of the time they do, or sometimes reverse guitar power chord. Uh, record your own voice, reverse it, and make a fake language for your band's high fantasy world, um, which I only give because I, I don't know if you have ever listened to Starset, but Starset is a really interesting band because they're pretty hard rock music that, that also utilizes some pop influences and stuff. But for the most part, they're 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 a post-grunge type Breaking Benjamin, like evolved out of the Breaking Benjamin sound type band that utilizes a lot of electronics. And they're, they have like a, 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 a sci-fi world that they built. And I think they even have like comic books or whatever that like tell parts of the story and all their songs are about it, right? So I don't know, maybe you can do a high fantasy one for those of you that like that stuff um, or whatever, right? The idea is you have sounds all around you and with a little bit of creativity, you can make that sound into something really very interesting. And again, this can just be fun. This should be a fun part of songwriting. Because again, there's no pressure. You don't have to make songs out of any of these. You can you can bury it in the back of the mix. You can never utilize it. Or if you come up with something really cool, you can utilize it for your main riff. And then that song will become a song where whenever somebody hears it, they're like, oh, that, that's an interesting sound. What is that? Um, which usually is a good thing and certainly will make it very memorable as compared to you know yet another guitar riff or whatever, which again, I'm not hating on that. Most songs are gonna be that, need to be that. Um, but a great way to stand out is simply by having a sound, a timbre that people haven't really heard before rather than the timbre of, oh, it's a piano or that's clearly a flute or that's clearly a guitar. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Again, three different unconventional songwriting sessions you should be having. Idea gathering. You just commit to gathering ideas. Word pool creation. You just commit to creating a word pool for your song before you start writing the lyrics. And sound creation. Have some fun. Put your producer hat on. Make some sounds. Maybe those sounds will inspire a totally new, different type of song that you never would have written without, you know, taking your cat's meow or your cat hissed at another cat because it wasn't happy and you recorded it because they were in a cat fight and then you took one of the sounds from it and pitched it down and put a reverb on it and it turned into this really intriguing sound that worked for a song. Whatever it might be. Again, if you haven't already, grab my free six-step lyric writing checklist, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. The first two we talked about here are, are very much a part of that lyric writing checklist. Um, so if you're interested, be sure to check that out. Totally free. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I appreciate those of you who shoot me emails. I need to catch up on emails again, but I will be getting to that very shortly, or maybe by the time this is released, I will have already gotten to that. But also thank you to those who leave kind reviews 
on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can leave reviews. I appreciate that greatly. If you like this podcast, great way to help me out can be just to kindly leave a review wherever you can leave reviews for podcasts. That would be greatly appreciated. Either way, I appreciate you just for listening, just for caring enough about the craft of songwriting to talk with me about music today, about songwriting. So thank you for that. And I will talk to you in the next one.